Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. Howdy and welcome. Uh, this week we visited a vineyard uh, to learn about grafting. My name is Mark and you are listening to the Q&A, a deeper dive podcast. Uh, in this week's sermon, Paul describes how God cut off some people and then grafted in others in Romans 11. It's a powerful set of verses. At the same time, it raised some interesting questions we got online. Uh, and if you want to send in questions to this podcast, you can by going, texting them in, question to 96123. That's the word question to 96123. You'll get a prompt back, and then you need to reply to that prompt. If you want to send additional questions, you can, but you need to go through that whole system again to do that. That way we get those questions. Now I'm here with Sam and I'll be honest, this feels a little like, to let you behind the scenes, a little like the after game interview. Yes, we, we've been recording this uh, podcast on Tuesday morning early, but because my family's going to camp this week, we're actually doing it right after we had conversations in the response room Sunday. And uh, it does feel a little bit different for us. It is. I'm like one of those reporters on the field with the mic in your face asking questions. Now, it was, a, it was a fun week for me, I know, because we got to go film you in a vineyard. We opened the sermon with that kind of, I sound even like we're doing a play-by-play of the sermon. But uh, we opened with grafting. You talked about grafting, about uh, kind of cutting off. You showed the olive tree and the branches being cut off. Why don't you kind of summarize your sermon a little bit? And let me say this before you start. If you haven't heard this week's sermon, you can always go back to our website, firstmckinney.com slash on demand and pick up any of those sermons. Those are also podcasted out on a different channel. Um, you just search for First McKinney. The audio and video are both out there. But Sam, back to that. Why don't you go ahead and kind of summarize the sermon since it's so fresh? Yes. So Paul, uh, first part of Romans 11, he talks again about why Israel has been cut off and how long will that last? And then for those that know Jesus, how do we respond? And so we actually broke it into what has he done? Uh, what, what, what has he done in the process of Israel? And he says that the remnant, he includes himself as an example, Isaiah is an example, not Isaiah, Elijah, uh, 7,000 that Elijah was doing ministry to, that throughout history that God has preserved a remnant by grace, right? And then he said the rest have been hardened, uh, and that hardening is in retribution to their own hard heart. He lets them go and be hard, and so that's what's happening. And we, we actually put up a tree that showed the remnant of branches during the process of grafting, and the bunch of branches on the ground, you're like, it's, that, that looks like you don't love the tree. So why, God, are you doing that? And Paul explains that God's doing that so that he can bring in the Gentiles into salvation, to graft them into the promises that he gave Israel to be saved through Jesus. And then through the Gentiles, seeing the faith of those that come to faith in Christ that are not Jews, the Jews then, in jealousy, will realize that's good, I want that, and turn to faith in Christ. And then in response to all of that, he goes at length in this grafting illustration and says that we— cannot be arrogant. 
uh, we, we can't be arrogant. The, the, the line we use is dependence because he pointed us to the root. Like we've got nothing if we're not connected to the tree. The root is, is where we find our, our source of life. So it's not about us. It's about what he has done for us. Dependence, it disarms our arrogance. And, and I think that's so important right now because what's happening in our culture is a lot of different people, and social media encourages this, are, are acting pridefully in a lot of different areas. Uh, some of it has been response to the ruling even from last week. Uh, some, some have responded in arrogance or in pride, and that's not something anyone's going to ever be jealous of, right? And by the and, ruling, just to put a time period on it, because this is right after the Supreme Court Roe versus Wade. Yes. You might be listening to this, you know, a few months from now. Yes. Uh, but just to put where we are in the world right now. Yes. And so we, yeah, we we pointed to being dependent on. We're so thankful for like how, that God is doing this, that He is now bearing fruit through this tree by grafting in, and then He will graft in again Israel. Um, it was fun to study. And I know, I know you're not a gardener. We talked about a few weeks ago you trying to grow grass. <laughs> I did find it interesting. You were saying you can grow an orange tree on an olive tree or. Anything? Have you tried grafting before? I, I have I have not tried grafting. I have tried a grape from that vineyard that was really, really <laughs> <That's> sour. sour. <laughs> we we uh, after we did that little clip, the grapes weren't ripe yet, but we like it was like sour straws had nothing on that the yeah. grape that we tried. Sour straws. You went with that instead of sour patch kids. Well, see the 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 true Christians only do the straw. Um, anyway. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, we'll stop. I I, I have never grafted myself. Have you grafted? I have not, but it made me. I have four kids, and uh, I love to do little science experiments with them. Actually, we got in trouble this past week because we threw away one of my daughter's terrariums. She was, but it wasn't a terrarium. It was more a mold growing thing on the back porch, Um, which I guess is terrarium. It was growing something, (laughs) but uh, I did go. Oh, it might be fun. I love peaches. Peaches are my favorite fruit, and I go. I wonder if there's some way I can graft in some peaches to like an oak tree because we got a couple oak trees in our neighborhood, and maybe I could have some oak peaches or something. That's a a good question. I don't think every tree will graft. Oh, okay. I I wish it would, but... uh, Anyways, we're way off. We're chasing (laughs) rabbits. Let's get back to the whole purpose of this is people can text in their questions Mm -hmm. and ask them, and we actually have a question. Again, I said that a little bit earlier, but you text QUESTION to 96123, Mm -hmm. 96123. You'll get a prompt, and then uh, you reply to that prompt, and we'll get them. But we've been holding a question. You talked about it even in your sermon for a while um, that came in, and it was basically how to find peace knowing our children are elected by God. Yes. So the the wrestle with predestination election uh, when it's taught in Scripture that so many people have is, uh, okay, that means there's not people elected, which is what showed up in our text. That's kind of why we held it this week. It's just pretty pretty obvious that he said the rest, there's the, the remnant that are chosen, the rest that seem to be separated. Uh, two things that I would say to it from the text. The, the first is that the plan for even those who are separated, you'll see in the text, is to bring them in through seeing the faith of other people. And so one of the things I want to challenge, I love this person is asking this as a parent to do, is for you to live your faith out loud in your home. The the jealousy of those who are not attached, which look like they were not elect, 
the jealousy of seeing someone else's genuine faith, I think needs to be humble faith that we see from the, the text, is what leads them to this radical salvation moment for the people of Israel in Romans chapter 11. So the, the question specific, how to find peace knowing our children are elect by God, it's primarily in you finding your peace in God and you pursuing your faith in God. And if your children can see that play out in front of them, I can't promise you salvation. Nowhere in Scripture is that salvation promised. This is maybe as close as we get for the people of Israel saying that all of Israel will be saved, and we talked about that a little bit to say that that doesn't necessarily mean every person. That means the there's a large, radical future salvation that's going to happen for the, the Israel, but that's happening in response to them seeing genuine faith lived out loud in front of them. So how do you find peace? Again, back to the question that, no, that you, I can't promise your children are elected. I can find, promise you peace is found in God. And if you pursue God and, and pursue Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's what is going to be the aroma of Christ in your home for your, your kids. Um, yeah. I love, last week you mentioned that Andy Stanley quote. Do you remember it right offhand? I know you don't yeah. have your notes in front of you. but Yes, I don't have last week's notes in front of me. I actually do have this week's notes in front of you. I love the quote because it's something I go back to also. The most important, and it may be not the most important way, but the most important thing you do may not be something you do, but someone you raise, right? And how do you raise a kid to follow Christ? most important thing you do to raise a kid to follow Christ is pursue Jesus yourself. And I think that's kind of connecting the dots there, at least for me, is you're talking about salvation. You're talking about are your kids elected, predestination, all that. And where it starts is in the home showing them our faith. Yes. It's it's not even uh, necessarily quoting Scripture to them. It's their your actions because they're going to know you better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's as a parent, which is tough. Trust me, I have four Super kids. Super convicting, yeah. I have four kids, but it's showing them our faith in the good and the bad. Yeah, and they know our pride and our arrogance, right? So let me—I'm going to kind of shift gears real fast to uh, one I know you got. We were talking right before we started recording about— uh, several people came into the response room this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, you also received, we received two or three questions via text about them. And this one in particular, I'll start it, but I'm going to stop about halfway through um, because it's a longer question. Hello, I know we are going through Romans. My question is one of loss of salvation. And then they go on a little bit. So why don't you talk about losing salvation? Yes. And along those lines. Yes, I, I love that that they saw in Romans chapter eleven that it says, okay, the ones that are grafted in. If you towards the end of chapter uh, eleven says, if if you don't, that's when I he, I kind of was like, oh, like he's about <laughs> to lay in to the arrogant people. If you're gonna re- respond that way, you need to be fearful. Why? Because if if God's gonna cut off the natural branches, He can cut you off, right? So some might look at that and say, oh, oh, well, that means I can lose my salvation. I do not believe that's, a, that's what this text is teaching for many reasons. One is I think we interpret Scripture with Scripture, and we see that once saved, always saved in a lot of places in the New Testament. Does that mean this conflicts with that? No, that's not what I think he's teaching. Jesus taught at one point you're going to know a tree by its fruit. Okay, so that still could look like a tree, right? Like even the tree could look like it's got but grafted in branches that are, but if it's not producing fruit, it's actually not a real tree. It's not saved. It hasn't gone through the process of salvation. 
So the, the ones that are usually cut off in the grafting process are the ones that are not bearing fruit. And if that person's not bearing fruit, meaning their life is habitually arrogant, specifically in this passage, that's probably an indicator that they weren't saved in the first place. And so they're, they're going to be burned in another different passage, which is not fun to read from the words of Jesus. Uh, they're uh, chaff. Uh, they're not saved, uh, and it's evident in their life. So I don't believe this is teaching you lose your salvation. I, b- I believe it's showing that this person was not saved and that you need to be afraid. We should, Paul says at one point, you need to test yourself to see if you're actually in the faith by looking at your life. Uh, are, are you living in habitual, unconfessed sin that's graphic and gross? Uh, that, that could indicate you never knew Jesus in the first place. Wow, yeah. Um, moving right along in the questions, because we, we got a number of them this week, and I want to try to get through as many as we Good. can today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you talked, this person wrote in, you talked about not giving up on those who were cut off in your grafting illustration. How are some ways we can help those fa- friends and family? I love it. So the hope in Romans chapter 11 is real, and I think sometimes when we get close to just the teaching of the cutoff or elect, sometimes we might move away from hope. That, that Romans chapter 11 is actually very life-giving, very hopeful, because we see this radical future salvation that's coming for Israel. So I felt led to just say, hey, don't give up on those that don't know Christ that are in your life, because I think sometimes we look at and we get frustrated by it. Not sometimes, I do. And so I know some of you that are listening do get upset with the Lord, upset with your friends. It looks like they're callous, they're hard. What's going on here? And we, we tend to throw in a hat. Hey, if God can do this with the people of Israel in the future, He can do it with your friend in the future. So specific, giving some ways that you can help, I think is asking for just practical ways. Back to the text, I think the primary way is you loving Jesus yourself and and you, you being realizing all that I have is attached to the vine, and if I can get that, my dependence on the vine is going to dis arm my arrogance, and it's going to bring a genuine humility that comes from realizing all that I have is not because of me, it's because it's been given to me through what I've been grafted into. And so uh, I think first thing that you can do to practically help your friend is for you to get real time connected to the vine and you to grow your own relationship with the Lord. Second thing, and this is needed big time, you already talked about what the news is right now, is Jesus lived out loud a loving, non-judgmental, it seems. Uh, Was he in people's face about what is true and what's not? Yes. But he got accused for like hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners all the time, right? I'm assuming (laughs) this big step to say that out loud, that does not mean that he walked into whatever. He was accused for being a drunkard because he he didn't walk into the bar and say, hey, y'all are all going to hell. You know, he, he, he grew a loving relationship with them, tried to help them understand that what they're doing is not best for them, and God loves them enough to send his son to die on the, whatever. So, yes, love. Yeah, you pursue Jesus yourself, and then you pursue them in love and look for opportunities to intentionally share with them what God has done for you, right? Not that you deserve it, that you've been gifted with it, that you've been grafted in. That'll make them jealous uh, of what you've got. Sounds a lot like live and love like Jesus. Ooh, that should be like a mission statement. Good. If you didn't know, a little sarcasm <laughs> there. It's it's our mission statement. Um, but you also added to that, not in addition, but so that our 
our, the neighbors, nations, next generation will know. It yeah. is about sharing. That's right. You know, like he calls us in Matthew to go and share. Um, moving along along those lines, uh, this person writes in: If God foreknows and predestines salvation, why does the church put so much emphasis on sharing the gospel? That's the big, and we got a similar question a few weeks ago, push back to anyone talking about chosen, which is in our text this week, elect, which is in our text this week. People think that if I believe this, then sharing the gospel becomes null because God's just going to get them in anyway. When actually it's the opposite when you get close to it. Because Paul is teaching throughout the book of Romans, the most extensive teaching in the New Testament on election, predestination, and the most extensive teaching in the New Testament on the importance of the gospel. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ, that all of us ascend and fall short of the glory of God, that you and I, uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. So they actually go together. And as you study in the history of the church, I'd, I'd made a list of all of these former people. Uh, I'm going to grab it. It's on my desk right over here. Uh, but the, 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 the leaders of the church, so many of them that would teach often that God was sovereign over salvation, were also the most aggressive sharers of the gospel in the community. They were always saying, here's an opportunity for you to respond by grace through faith to Jesus, because they believe that the way that God is going to bring about his salvation is through his people, right? Yes, God can be sovereign and control, but if if I get to be on mission from God to be part of his sovereign plan to save, why not more, right? And and to jump into that. So I'm actually I'm going to get up for a second. You can fill in and I'm going to Well, I I love how you you started the sermon and ended the sermon by asking people to think of the person they're trying to share Jesus with. Right. Yep. And to start to pray for that person and and I would encourage anyone listening, and and we didn't say this at the first, but if, if you can like, share, do all the things you would do with the podcast, but maybe you need to share with this podcast with someone. But I would say, if you don't have that person you're trying to share your faith with, maybe you need to start praying for that person, that God would put them in your life, that put someone in your life that you can lead into salvation. Absolutely. Go on, you grab the paper. And- I grab the paper. Here's just a few that talked at length when they would teach about God being sovereign over even salvation, but were radically aggressive in sharing the faith. Uh, St. Augustine, uh, Wycliffe, Tyndale, uh, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, Carey, one of the fathers of for- uh, modern mission, Fuller, Livingston, Hudson Taylor. Most of these people only have to give one of their names because uh, if you study the history of the church, you know Luther, Martin Luther, John Brown, Thomas Chalmers, John Owen, Spurgeon, Mueller, Martin Lloyd-Jones, getting closer to us today, R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, Tony Evans, J.I. Packer, John Piper, Johnny Erickson, Tata, uh, a a girl that a lot of people love to listen to. These are people that, that... uh, if, if you hear those names, you might think, oh, they must not think God's sovereign over salvation because they were so aggressive to go, to be on mission, to share their faith. And if you actually look at what they're teaching, it's the opposite. They believe God's sovereign over salvation, so I want to go and share my faith. And I would say, uh, we don't normally do this, but you can go to firstmckinney.com slash Romans, and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of helps, resources there. Um, I'll try to get the list to Meredith, and uh, we can get that put out on the uh 
site that they can go and see some of those. If, if they're not familiar with church history, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot to learn from the past. Good. You know, even as we're looking right now, if you're, if you're not really part of our church, but just kind of starting in, we're about to celebrate 150 years. Yes. And so it's kind of cool to look back through some of those pictures, through some of the past. We pulled a picture the other day of, I think, a 1920 VBS. Mm-hmm. And to think that was 100 years ago. Uh, they were doing VBS, and we're now doing Backyard Bible Clubs, which are very similar to that. Yes. But just to see this church at work throughout that. But again, I'm chasing a rabbit trail there. Um, let me get to our last question, um, kind of of the day, and it leads us to next week. And if if you didn't hear at the end of the sermon, uh, we're actually going to have a guest speaker next week. He uh, is a former teacher at uh, in McKinney at Boyd. He actually taught calculus. Now, I will say you can go ahead and send them, but we will not answer any math questions next week, <laughs> any calculus questions. Or any, now, I he, took he, calculus. He could answer them. No. He probably could. He probably could, but we're more into Bible and, and kind of learning that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, we might have to find a Bible joke. If you have any good math Bible jokes, send those in, because I would like to maybe ask those next week. But back to the podcast. If some people do not believe there's going to be, uh, oh, you were talking, as I started this, you were talking in your sermon about a mass salvation. So mm-hmm. this question is related to that. Mm-hmm. If some people do not believe there, or some people believe there's going to be a mass salvation of Israel at the end, what are the other options on the table for interpreting Romans 11? Yes. And this might take some explanation. Yes. So there are a lot of different options when you you try to interpret what many will call apocalyptic, prophetic literature. So this is true for when you read Daniel. It's true for when you read Revelation. What Paul is doing right now is talking about something in the future. And so if anyone were to tell you they know for sure exactly what this means, I would tell you that is dangerous, and I would back away from those teachers uh, that we, we Jesus himself at one point told his disciples when they asked when is the end going to come he's like only the only person knows that is is God I'll give you some indicators that are that are uh, that are going to happen around that time but I don't Jesus was even saying know the exact date and time he probably does now he's upstairs I don't know how that all works but uh, so I, I say all that to say that I don't know I do believe as you look at this text that what he is teaching is a mass salvation of those who are Jewish. Not necessarily every person, but a mass salvation of those who are Jewish in the future. That is based on full inclusion in verse 12, their acceptance in verse 15, and then all Israel will be saved in verse 26. Some say, well, why is all Israel not Everybody, every because they would use at this point in time for that that was referring to Jews as a whole, but not every individual Jew. So, why 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 do I believe that? Well, here's some other options that some entertain, and then why I don't go there. Some believe what he's referring to now here is the new covenant relationship. Jew, which would include the Gentile and the church, right? So you and I, we've been grafted in, right? So in the future, all of us will be saved. Yes, all of us will be saved if you believe in Jesus, both Jew and Christian. I think this one is unlikely because it's inconsistent with the way that he has and will use in the letter Jew and Gentile. He's 
contrasted those two on purpose, and he's telling the Gentile that your salvation is actually going to lead to the salvation of national Jewish Israel. So it's not consistent in the text. The second thing I don't think it it makes sense is because he will refer in next week's text to what's coming in the future being a mystery. And that doesn't seem like a mystery to me. The, the rest of what he's taught already is, okay, all of us sin, penalty of sin is death, believe in Jesus, you're saved. That's, that's the clarity that Paul has. The mystery is what's going to happen with future Israel. So that's the first one, salvation of the, both the Jew and the Gentile and the new covenant. So is it a new covenant Jewish promise Jew that he's talking about there? The second is the save, saving of a remnant of Jews that go out through all history, meaning there are some guys that say this is going to be a mass salvation of Jews in the end because we'll look back and see, well, David was saved and Elijah was saved. You just talked about him, Paul. And so in the end, when it comes, we're going to see all of these people in heaven. And so that's a big number of Jews. Um, I get that. I also don't think that that is consistent with the text. Why? That's not all. He's pointing to the future, right? That that maybe will be revealed in the future, but that's not salvation of people necessarily in the future. Like David's dead already, right? Um, so that 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 is also to me not a mystery, right? As he, he'll refer to this as a mystery. That's what the rest of Paul. I mean, he's already taught. He just said earlier in chapter eleven that Elijah was one of the genuine followers of Jesus when he's telling the story. So that's that's not a mystery to me. So I don't think you can write it off as being the new covenant of Jews and Gentiles that are going to be saved uh, radical in the end. I think he's contrasting. And then I also don't think you can say, well, there'll be a lot of people in heaven that are Jews in the end because of all of those that have been saved. I think he actually is saying, again, to the one that I land on, and our teacher next week, Alan, lands on, that there's this natural national level salvation. Can I say it again, as we say all of that, why is that important? Well, one, as you look at what's happening in Israel right now, you see the divine hand of God. Like, there's no explainable reason for why Israel would still be around and speaking the language they're speaking and what's going on in Jerusalem other than God's lining this prophecy up to happen, right? Uh, But two, I think it gives us great hope to see the heart of God was not to cut off, right? The love of God. He is love. The heart of God for, back to the first question, your children is for them to be saved. He desires for no one to fall away. And he is going to give the opportunity for them to respond to the gospel in a radical way in the end. So I think that's a big thing for us to see. Well, it's been it's been a very interesting uh, morning. Uh, it's fun to do this right after the sermon again. Uh, we hope that you'll like, share, um, post this, do whatever you would do with the podcast. Uh, you might let other people know about it in multiple ways. Uh, and again, we exist because of the questions you're asking. Well, we exist for other reasons too, but we the, the show exists to answer these questions and get those going. So the more questions you get in, uh, the more we can keep going on this. So be yeah. sure to send those in again, text question to 96123. Just in closing, is there anything I know you said Alan's going to talk next week? Looking forward to that. Is there anything you want to share along those lines? Yep. Teach me how to put a peach tree to an oak tree or something like that, <laughs> maybe. So if you learned to graph, I want you to come teach me how to graft. Uh, graft? Well, I can. Well, we have Alan next week. There's he your, could be graft. There's, graphed. there's a transition. <laughs> I didn't even... <laughs>
teaches how to graft. Last week was grafting. This week is grafting. That's the one part I couldn't stand in geometry was grafting. But <laughs> everything else, I love the. Yeah. Anyways, I'm I love back it. Many repressed memories of, of mathematics. I love it. Hey, well, thank you all for joining us. Know that we believe that Jesus died on the cross to overcome the sin of the world, and we have hope now because of Him. As we walk through these difficult texts, sometimes it might make your mind swarm. What we know is that God loves you, and He sent His Son Jesus to die in your place. If you believe, you've got eternity with him. So do your friends, so do those that you love. I think that's so important that you hear that as we close today. Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting question to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.